We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Hello and welcome to the third New Space Vision podcast. I'm Amin, and today I'm here to introduce Sven and Daniel's interview with S-Cube. S-Cube is short for the Estonian Student Satellite Foundation. They are currently developing the free U-CubeSat S-Cube 2, which is planned to launch in 2019. Sven and Daniel will be talking to Kadri Busov, who is a member of the management board of S-Cube, but also the project manager for S-Cube 2. This conversation took place at the European Space Week in Tallinn, which happened in early November 2017. I should also mention that links to all technical and programmatical content discussed during the interview can be conveniently found on our website, newspace.vision. So head over there if you want to dig deeper on S-Cube. All right then, Sven will start off with a couple of words on the upcoming New Space Vision conference, and then we'll jump right into the interview. Yeah, before we start with the podcast, we just wanted to mention that we have our conference next year. It's on the 27th of April in Berlin. It's called New Space Vision Conference 2018. The motto is how space affects every industry. And we think it will be really interesting with a lot of topics and a lot of interesting speakers from SAP to Planet. And yeah, feel free to read more on our website, newspace.vision. And we will keep you informed on our social media channels as well. So let's start with the podcast. Yeah. So the European Space Week just finished yesterday and we thought, okay, it's in Estonia. So we have a guest who's a specialist. She knows a lot about the Estonian space industry. It's uh, Kadri Busov. And you say you're a satellite builder, a martial artist, a technology enthusiast, an observer of human behavior. That's, <laughs> that's my favorite. And a photographer. So um, you're a member of the management board of the Estonian Student Satellite Foundation, short as Cube. Yes. yes. So um, yeah, tell us a little bit about the foundation and you, just as an intro. Well, the foundation was started at the beginning of 2016, and it's basically a follow-up to the S-Cube 1 project that was done by just a bunch of students who thought that, why not, let's make satellite. They started to make satellite. They started in 2008 and they launched it in 2013. The satellite was operational for about two years, so it kind of... I think that the last uh, connection with the satellite was sometime in 2015. And the idea of having the next satellite was already in the works before, before the first satellite died out. But it took some time before it be it became a reality and one of the reasons why it became a reality was because I wasn't there <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the, the the builders of the Estonian first satellite, the Eskip 1, decided to establish a foundation as a legal body for for building the next satellites. Uh, so that's basically the, the quick intro to the foundation. Now the foundation is basically I cannot say that run by students, but it is uh, partly run by students and partly run by people who are not students anymore, like me. Uh, we are mentored by the Skip One people who have actually had already the, the knowledge of building a satellite, and they do a lot of mentoring and knowledge transfer to us. And I think that our main goal, besides building a functional satellite that could go and up in the orbit and do all the tests that we plan, it's also to give students the opportunity to do something 
Awesome. Yes, awesome. <laughs> Something that would just prepare them or, or give them the kind of like challenge and the kind of experience that is really, really difficult to get anywhere else. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. yeah, We make the experience a lot of time that people think they cannot work on space hardware, but it's nothing else than working on a car or something else. Today, you need those opportunities, those hands-on experiences. And I, I really love that you are building up this program because Estonia is a, is a, is a really small country. And compared to others, you have a nice, nice program there. So. Yeah. So maybe you could explain a little bit more about what you're planning to do with the S-Cube 2 is the name of the sat yes. satellite. Because there's a really interesting payload on that satellite. Well, I believe there are several interesting payloads on the satellite. <laughs> Even <but> better. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm just going to close my eyes and imagine the satellite and just count the payloads. We have electrical solar wind sail, which is a tether-based technology from uh, Finnish Meteorological Institute. It is invented by Pekka Janhunen, so this is the main payload. And then we also have the high-speed communications from Metzpils University. We have two uh, cameras that are built and developed in collaboration with Tartu Observatory and SSAT LLC. And then we have basically a corrosion coding from Captain Corrosion, which is a spin-off from Tartu University's uh, material science. Okay. And uh, it is this uh, nanotechnology that should protect uh, the materials from corroding in outer space. Okay. So yes, and it's a 3U cube set? It would be a lot of payload yeah. for a 1U cube set. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, uh, even for a 3U cube set, it's that's a lot. A lot. Of, that's yeah. a lot, yeah. So, the, as you said, the tether, 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 yes. tether, tether. is the main payload, right? Yes, Could you maybe just explain it a little bit more? Well, I'm not a plasma physicist, <laughs> but the idea of this payload is that it's this really, really tiny, thin tether, like 30 micrometers or so, and it will be reeled out at the end of the life cycle of, of the satellite and the tether will be charged. Okay. And in Earth's uh, atmosphere it actually acts like an uh, accelerator towards Earth. Yeah. So it will drag the satellite towards Earth faster than the natural decay and it should deorbit the satellite, well, three-unit satellite within three to six months. So okay. it will just entirely okay. burn out within the, in the atmosphere. So, but you won't deploy it right at the beginning of no, the mission. No, we will, we cannot do it because otherwise all the other. Yeah, I mean, that would be. We couldn't do any of them, so. So. Cool. You said you're not a plasma physicist, but you're not a space engineer either, right? So you're a lawyer from, from trade or from your background. Yes, um, I basically have a double, uh, I cannot say degree, but I have actually, there's two things that I have studied. One of them is law, and I do have a degree in law, and the other one is photography, which I don't have a degree, okay. uh, uh, because I kind of quit halfway through, <laughs> but I did work in that field for, for several years. Okay, interesting. And why are you engaged in this project? What is the reason why you are? So you just have a passion for space, we, we see that, but you're also interested in other technologies, you told me. Yes, I do. I'm interested in uh, observing different technologies that uh, are emerging. But why I'm in space, and especially building satellites, is probably, most probably, this because of the challenge. Yeah. Uh, we do, yeah. <laughs> and that's actually, that is the reason why everybody in our project is with us, is, yeah. is, is the challenge. 
And for, but for engineers, it is the challenge of building something that works in space. Yeah. Uh, for me, it is helping to build up an organization in a country that doesn't have like space agency, the National Space Agency, or uh, which is also so tiny. And and I think that this is this is what keeps me with the project is that how much you can actually do by pure enthusiasm of people and, and, and students and we actually have so much to do and so much to go and so much to offer and putting it all together and finding ways to uh, to make it all a reality is is what actually keeps me with this project. So That's very cool. Yeah, as you said, Estonia is a small country but in the Baltic area there are a lot of activities in the field of space, especially in the field of small satellites and CubeSats. For example, we have nanoavionics on the Lithuania, and um, yeah, in Finland we have a, little, uh, a lot of companies. What do you think is the reason for that? Do you think that's a special reason or just a coincidence? Uh, so, so is it in, in the education maybe, or is it uh, in, in yeah. the actually, I actually think that most probably it is the fact that uh, it is possible to build CubeSats, yeah. small satellites. Mm-hmm. Because uh, they are much cheaper to make compared to these huge uh, like satellites that we are used to, that people have used to, that was that were very uh, popular. Well, majority of satellites have always been huge, but thanks to the technology developing the way it has, a lot of the things can actually be done with by very small devices. It has yeah. also given way to CubeSats, to, well, basically to emerge and. I think that's probably the reason why these countries, the small countries, have actually started to doing the, like this kind of space exploration, because it has become affordable. Yeah, so. and you don't have uh, the, the governmental support uh, like the others uh, had. So for for big satellites, uh, expensive satellites, you need that governmental yeah. support. Um, so so you said that that's really the enabler for for small countries to to uh, to do that. And the purpose of uh, your project is really to educate the engineers, right? Yes. So really w- what you love, and it's uh, building the satellites, and you just made uh, the conversion with the uh, formula student team who are building cars, and you said it's quite the same, right, isn't it? Yes, uh, it, in many sense they have very similar project, is that uh, they bring in like new students who want to join, they have the previous students have already done the cycle several times as mentors and, and team leads, and, and in that sense, they have actually have a quite a good track record of uh, educating and creating very well experienced engineers that go on to take positions in a lot of different uh, technology companies in Estonia. And this is actually what we pride ourselves is that we are very technology savvy and we enable yeah. new technologies to emerge. Yeah. Uh, and so, so far, Estonia has mostly been a software country. Yeah. But now, Skype yes. is from Estonia. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and now, uh, within the previous years, also there have been several hardware companies that have actually started to emerge, like Milram, like uh, Starship, like Leveron. And probably one of the reasons for these uh, hardware companies uh, that they have started to emerge is also that. We have started to, I forgot Skeleton as well, we have started to create uh, engineers in Estonia who actually can develop yeah. hardware. And what we really like about Estonia is we heard that you get educated in IT from the first class in school, right? Yes. That's uh, really impressive. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So Tallinn is the rising star on the startup horizon. 
Actually, I think that we can thank the Estonian government for that because it was in the 90s when they de- decided to start this kind of project that was called in Estonia Tigrihyppä, but in English it's basically like tiger jump. Okay. <laughs> yes. And the idea of this project was to have computers in every school and to enable kids access to computers. Yeah. And it was actually what enabled Estonia to become this kind of like tech-savvy country. Yeah. Mm. And it kind of happened during the 90s and and I believe that what we are seeing today is basically aftershock of this uh, project and it was huge I remember it was huge everybody basically got a computer but that's awesome and yeah. it's, it's really crazy and what I really like is you just did a hackathon the yes. last weekend that was within the framework of the uh, European Space Week and yes. you're doing the next hackathon within the next days tomorrow or when was it yes well yeah. they're a little bit different in a sense that uh, the hackathon that we had the previous week weekend was garage 48 hackathon it was open to everyone with ideas they pitched their ideas and then the teams were formed and they had hours to build the working prototype. We in SQ, we also have this tradition of having uh, like these kind of internal hackathons and uh, that we come together for a weekend or for a day and we spend the entire day or weekend working on SQ. We, we have sonas, we have fun and but most of the time people are just they just hard on work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it is also for us. It is it is important to have this kind of hackathons, and also we are doing this kind of tech talks within our within mm-hmm. our organization as well. And within these tech talks, we don't necessarily take on topics that we do with SQL. We all just observe and and uh, learn on topics that are just interesting. Yes. How big is the organization? So how many members does SQ has? This is a really difficult question to ask uh, because SQ as a project has been run since 2008. Okay. So, and I think like 500 would be the approximate number that I could tell. Yeah. But it's really, really, really hard to actually point down like how many. But uh, I think currently we have about 30 active members who are contributing to the project about uh, 20 hours minimum every week. By active members, 30 yes. active members, that's about. Yes. Yeah. And then we have like additional, I think, 30 to 50, depending on the semester, that are this kind of semi-active. Yeah. That don't contribute as much, but they do contribute on, on different fields. Uh, yeah. And what, what is the background of the people working there? It's very diverse. Of course, we have a lot of IT students, physics students, uh, robotics masters. We also have a lot of already graduated and currently working specialists in, in different technology fields. Medical students, we have archaeologists. Really? Okay. Medical yes. students and archaeologists? Yes, huh? we That's have crazy, huh? designers, <laughs> lawyers. Uh, yeah, we actually have a very wide variety of students uh, with all kinds of different backgrounds that have joined our organization. Not bad, not bad. And how do you finance the whole endeavor? Well, we have different streams of, of income. We have we have very good collaboration with Startup Observatory, and they are enabling us different rooms and, and laboratory time. Uh, also, we have several projects that we are doing in collaboration with Startup Observatory. Uh, also, with Tartu, University of Tartu, Startup Hub, uh, Vincent University, uh, University of Riga, and there's this green energy cluster <laughs> and heliocentric technology. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so from from yeah. Latvia, and uh, but mostly we are 
financed by uh, private sponsors. Actually. Okay. Uh, and I think you, you have a lot of traction right now uh, within the last years, right? And now the European Space Week is in Estonia and you may get more traction. So um, how did you um, think about the European Space Week in Estonia? Did you like it? Uh, what was the main thing you did take with you? I think that it was really good that it happened here. Uh, especially for us as a foundation, as a, basically a student foundation, it was a huge benefit. We do not have the funds to go about around yeah. the world mm -hmm. to, to take part in different kind of conferences because our budgets are very limited. Yeah. So for us to uh, just come to Tallinn 200 kilometers and have it here, we told these people that uh, have been in the field for so many years and have so much experience and that they were able to share it and thanks to the support of the ministry and, and the organizers uh, that we were able to meet them and, and ask advice. That was very priceless, I would say, yeah. actually, this opportunity. Uh, and I mean, we may not do this podcast if it wasn't here in, yes, in, exactly. in Estonia. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and in the framework of the Space Week, also a new big business incubation center from uh, the European Space Agency opened up in Estonia. Yes. I think that's also really interesting. Yeah. We have in all over Europe, there are these kind of incubation centers supported from ESA and that's a cool uh, cool thing because you get support financially with rooms and everything so maybe someday there will be a commercial endeavor from S-Cube? We are hoping. <laughs> Actually a lot of S-Cube 1 alumni uh, have uh, made uh, spin-up companies and it's, uh, it's really difficult to find a space-related startup in Estonia that doesn't have one or the other way connection with this program. Yeah. So. yeah I mean, it's interesting. In, in Finland, you had uh, ISI and... Reactor Space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Space. They, they, have, uh, they work on the same university project. And, uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It's, uh, that's really interesting. And do, do you know how many uh, companies will be in the ESA big here in Tallinn? I know that the thing that their estimation was to have like four or five within the next call. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That is compared to the size of the country a lot. I, yeah. Think, yeah. Yeah. I think I know at least from the top of my ha head, I know at least two of S-Cube spin-ups, actually maybe three, because S-Cube itself also has a spin-up company actually. Okay. So, <laughs> but uh, we also have a spin-up company that is doing the uh, cameras. Ah, cool. Uh, what for is space the name? purposes? Estsat. <laughs> <laughs> for space purposes? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, ah, space cool. uh, space uh, cameras for basically the same cameras that were used in S-Cube 1. That also was further developed for the European Student uh, Earth Orbiter SL project. Yeah. And also the cameras that we are currently developing for S-Cube 2. They are developed with collaboration with Estsat and Dr. Observatory. So. So maybe it is very possible that also that SSAT will be will be applying to this incubator as well. So. Nice. Then best of luck from our side for the application. Thank you. Yeah. Do you think that the lack of a space agency in Estonia or of a big space agency in the in the region is an advantage or disadvantage? Because what we have seen is that there are a lot of kind of these projects like S-Cube or I mean ISI. Nano Avionics, they all weren't supported by big space agencies, but they all came out of universities and they were all driven by an entrepreneurial spirit to just do something. 
and uh, a lot of the people just started something because there was not the underlying infrastructure to just go somewhere, for example, to a space agency like in Germany, there's the DLR, it's really big, and a lot of students just do their student jobs over there and get an insight in the space industry, but it's a different space industry. I honestly think it's an, it's an advantage. Okay. Yes. Because, uh, first of all, of course, I don't have the experience the, any other way. Yeah. But, uh, but what I see happening is that I see people, students, trying to fill the void. And trying to fill this void, it actually requires much more than going and applying to an internship. It requires creative thinking, it requires a lot of problem solving, it, re it requires you working up the network yourself, finding the ways mm. to uh, sell, finding the ways to approach, finding the ways for financing. It actually builds up so many crucial skills. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So uh, for that, I think that it is, it is definitely the start is harder. Yeah. Definitely it's harder. But I think that in the long run it will be uh, for the people who are doing it, who are building it up. I think it gives us as a country uh, for future a very good kick and we are creating the kind of people who can actually build something from scratch. Yeah. And uh, for a small country as Estonia, I think enabling these people to grow is, I think, uh, is very valuable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, in Germany you don't have a lot of these projects, there are a lot of university projects with two uh, CubeSats, but they are, they are not so student-based, and I would wish that it would be more supported by the government, that there are some kind of these students project, exactly like you, organized by students, as soon as you have a huge organization that's behind you, you don't get the feel of responsibility. Yeah. I think that one of the reasons why SQ2 works and why SQ1 also works is because you feel the sense of responsibility and you know that if you don't do it, then it will not happen. You don't have anyone who just hands you like a grant or a money, yeah. let's do it. And because it is basically you have to really, really want to make it happen. Yeah then you really push for it. You make so many mistakes and you don't have a safety net, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that for this kind of project to be successful as Escape have been, I mean, we have had... Uh, it has not been easy, honestly. Yeah. But right now we're starting to get some sort of role. But to have this kind of projects, it has to grow from students themselves and okay. they are the ones who need to find the... Uh, their own way. Yeah, yes, exactly. Their own way, their own opportunities, their own things to do. Not, uh, I think that as soon as you know that you have a place to go and apply, and then you get rejected, then it's like, oh, it's not good enough. I got rejected. <laughs> Instead, what what you need to have is that, okay, well, this doesn't work. There's another one. I'll, I'll see. Maybe this one works. It doesn't. Okay, I'll go and find. Maybe this one works. You don't get discouraged by one no. no. But if you only see when when you know that there's only one track. And you get a no from there, it kind of like pulls down your motivation. Yeah. But you have to have the attitude that, okay, if this door shuts, I will go and knock on the other one, or maybe I'll climb up the third floor and go <laughs> through this window there. Yeah, I, I love that approach, yeah. yeah. And uh, well, what do you think? I mean, you have um, medicine uh, and um, archaeologists uh, in, in your team. How does that improve the, the situation uh, to work on the satellite? I think that it actually improves very well. Uh, for example, our medicine student is actually doing our social media. <laughs> yes. And she is a huge space fan. 
also our archaeologist is actually doing our overall marketing and because she's been studying archaeology actually she has a very good grasp on societies and how different kind of processes within the society work and I think that thanks to that she can actually she has a little bit out of the box understanding of marketing uh, because learning marketing tools say social marketing tool is not really that difficult yeah that's right yes but having the kind of grasp of humans, like environments and so, like communities that she does, and the ability to analyze it and then to combine it with skill sets and and uh, just social media marketing tools, and she has actually done a yeah. really outstanding work and job for us. So, yeah. so uh, we think it is really important that uh, that you tell the people, the public, that space is not only rockets and astronauts. And when you have this context, we need we we need more uh, of those people who really understand the, the meaning of space technology and to spread the word because we, we, we are totally convinced space affects every industry on earth and that will increase within the next years and so I'm really happy to hear that this works in your organization right now and I think ESA and DLR they all have to improve on that one because they are really really focused specific backgrounds I think they, they may um, learn something from SQ yeah yeah definitely so it was really nice to have you and uh, just uh, one more personal last question. How do people react when you tell them that uh, you work uh, on a satellite? <laughs> uh, well, people who know me, they are not surprised. Uh, <laughs> because I have a track record of, of doing different things and, mm -hmm. and just jumping into new uh, challenges. People who don't know me, I don't usually... I usually say that I, I'm a project manager of SQ. <laughs> and they're like, okay, and then later on I just, well, actually I'm the CEO of SQ. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Thank and you. Yeah, it was a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and yeah, you can stay updated. Just visit our website, sign up to our newsletter and please come and visit our conference next year. Yeah, you can find uh, the, the ticket selling on our website and uh, we are looking forward to have uh, 250 to 300 attendees. Happy to see you there and happy to have you hearing the next podcast. Bye.